1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Support for this show and the following message come from StatMed Learning. StatMed Learning tackles various test-taking problems and offers practical, actionable advice to improve your scores via improving your test-taking strategy and helping you overcome common problems that students have when they're taking an exam go to the slash itb to learn more and to take advantage of a special offer from statmed learning just for itb listeners should be punished. With this conviction I would my health Shut up. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer, so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. I am Patrick Beeman, your host. Today, I have Ryan Orwig from the StatMed program. That's thestatprogram.com. We brought him onto the show because we've had a few emails from listeners who said, you've got to check this guy out. He's doing great things, helping students kind of do what Inside the Boards wants to do, and that is to think like a question writer. So Ryan, thanks so much for taking time. Um, This is a conversation that I've been excited to have, and I am sure our listeners will find this equally interesting.
0: Well, thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, what's your
0: background? You're you're not a doctor, correct? I'm definitely not a doctor. No. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So my my background is I am a I'm an educator. My background is in the science of of reading and learning how people read and learn. So there's not really like a, a degree you can get to work with medical students and doctors. So my background goes way back in the late '90s, working with gifted kids with reading and learning problems. So I was sort of on a on a master's to PhD track, working with little kids with that had exceptionalities, gifted kids, working with uh, that had, might have had some reading issues or attention problems. Yeah. And so then I, in the early 2000s, sort of started working with doctors and med students with 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 that weren't performing at, at the level they wanted maybe there were some reading issues maybe there were some learning issues so I started working with them inherited this little program and I didn't really like what 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 I had it was mostly working with deductive reasoning strategies or these upgraded study methods from SAT, ACT stuff or stuff that you would see with the younger kids. That's where all the money in the research is. Yeah. All the money in the research is with like the, little, the young kids, emerging readers, maybe getting into some SAT, ACT stuff. But I, I really didn't like it. So I, I, I think one of my gifts is pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing the same patterns repeat over and over again. With our struggling USMLE students or our second year med students who were really having trouble managing all that information. So, what I did was I started just methodically uh, cataloging it all and then building systems, building methodologies to help offset those issues. So, I think I come from, I've got this really robust background in reading and learning. I learned the uh, sort of curricular design of med school, the, the design of your boards. And then identified the patterns and built systems to offset them. And that's where StatMed Learning
1: came from. All right. And what exactly do you offer students? Is this like a uh, kind of like a tu- tutor kind of online one-to-one thing? Or well, what, what do you offer? I know on the well, website it says you've got the boards workshop and you have the StatMed class. Tell me about the differences between those two things. Well, I'm definitely not a tutor because a tutor to me is someone
0: who is explaining concepts. Mm-hmm. And you know, people can find tutors all over the country at every institution. Um, so we offer two platforms. The statMed class is it's about 10 days and it's either live in person or live online. And that is teaching study methodology. That's how you take all the stuff required of you either for the classroom or boards. How do you take all that stuff? How do you stream it? How do you organize it? How do you encode it? How do you put it into your head? And how do you make it stay? How do you make it last? How how do you make it randomly accessible over an extended period of time, over weeks, over months? Um, So that's the StatMed class. And then the other side is the boards workshop. This is live online with some on-demand components. Uh, We run these year-round all the time. And the StatMed boards workshop is for the self-identified bad test taker. This is for that, this is for that test taker that says, you know I don't get it. I can I, I do well on my rotations, I teach my peers, I can explain the concepts, but at the end of the day my scores are either inconsistent or they're below where they need to be. Uh, that's bad test taking. So these bad test takers, we can anticipate issues with working memory, executive functioning. It's what I call an interface issue. the way the, that that person and their brain and their knowledge, are interacting with these these artificial text constructs, these test questions. So you can you can ant- anticipate the problem. You can install a system to offset those issues and see if people really flip their scores around.
1: All right. So if I'm sitting here listening to this and I'm like, "Hey, I'm a bad test taker," I that resonates with me. Um, and I go to contact you guys at thestatprogram.com. Mm-hmm. Um, what what can I expect if? Uh, I talk to you and you're like, you should go through our uh, boards, uh, workshop. So when people reach out to us, they
0: contact us. We like to talk to them. We don't just work with everybody who contacts us. We are a small volume, high dollar program. We get to really know our people. We have to understand that they are in the right spot for them and the right spot for us to help them. If they're not, we'll direct them in, in the direction we think they need to go into. And then we'll, we'll send them some information so they can see How the workshop is set up, and then we'll get them signed up, and then they schedule their meetings, and they're off and running. So it's a pretty—it's not as smooth as I would like it to be, but that's because we can't accept every single person that contacts us. We
1: want to make sure that it's the right fit for both sides of the the equation. All right, and then when you figure out that right fit, um, if I'm doing the the board's workshop, you said there's some like asynchronous uh, video instruction. So what Mm -hmm. are the videos? cover so there's about three and a half four hours of
0: video and this is me or david depending on which version of the video you're watching we're lecturing uh part one we're laying out our system okay so the the exact sequence that we want everybody to read questions in and then the second part of it is and it's like sort of naming all the mistakes sort of very systematically going through oh this is the strongest case weakest case a way to break a tie this is where you're twisting this is where you're falling into the binary reading trap all these things have names they have examples so you want to identify the name of the problem and then the skill to offset it so those first two videos they take about 4 hours there's there's little uh, interactive pieces they stop so it can take a little longer or shorter but they're watching that stuff on demand that way once they get out of that, they come into the one-on-one meetings where they're meeting with either myself or David. And we're, we're going through some more progressive training models where we're teaching students how to capture their process and create very discrete feedback loops. It's all about feedback loops because bad test taking is bad behavior. And so they're getting feedback, they're getting training modules, and then they're doing homework between each meeting, applying it to their own questions. It might be um, you know, if it's a USMLE student, they're doing their questions. If it's emergency medicine, if it's peds, cause we work with med students and physicians on these things. Yeah. Um, and then they, they work through, they're getting feedback in the meetings and we're laying out other modalities for training because you have to start untimed, then you add time and then you you've got to teach them how to execute this methodology on the computer-based test. These are all different phases of the training.
1: So our how are you getting the content to specifically identify where um, your particular uh, student is struggling? Like so how do you how do you decide that uh, like the exact path to helping them?
0: So are we saying if somebody contacts us and they're saying, hey, I'm a med student, I'm struggling. Do, how do we figure
1: out if After, they go to the class or the workshop? No, more so once they get into the board's workshop and they're about to mm-hmm. have their first one to one session. What do those sessions look
0: like? The first session is we sort of answer questions about the videos, if they have any questions about that process. It's not that our process is the only way to read questions, but if they're coming to us, they have to buy in. Like We're doing everything exactly the way we say. I'm not dogmatic in life in general, but when it comes to the board's workshop, we are very dogmatic. It's like, look, there's don't ask questions. Hard to believe that our med students might want to freestyle it and go their own way and feel like they know better even though they're coming to you for help. But yeah, I mean, this is the nature of the beast. So it's like this very dogmatic it's very centralized. Do it exactly like we say. So that first meeting, we sort of say, okay, any questions about how we were laying out the system? And then the first, that, that meeting, we're setting up the first training tool because they have to record very meticulous uh, amounts of um, they have to record their experience doing each question in a very, organized systematic way okay. like we make them do these 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 sort of uh codes mm-hmm. that where they respond to how did you think about a how are you like so as you're solving a question you have to take a b c each each option by itself and you have to give it a grade a rating uh on a, like a five a five scale rating yes i think this is the answer uh strong maybe weak maybe i don't know i don't remember. Or no, I know it's wrong. Yeah. And so they have to capture that in the moment with these, these codes. So we have, to, we have to sort of lay out how we want them to organize this, this feedback loop and then how to analyze it. So they will, will get through that meeting. Then they go do their homework, applying just, just that process to 15 questions. Okay. And then they come back for meeting two. And meeting two is all about dissecting those 15 questions. Because I don't think it's that hard to talk to a med student or a physician about a complex process, they'll say, yes, I get it. I understand. Yeah. But it's not until they get out on their own when when you're not there holding their hand. That's where the learning happens. This is part of that learning circuit. So you get dissemination, step one, then you go off and try it on your own, step two. Then you come back for that second meeting very, very soon thereafter. And that's where the learning actually happens. That's where we see what you were doing right, what you were doing wrong. And as we're doing that, we're layering in other layers of analysis because it's we're trying to teach two things at the same time, how to play the game, how to use our system, how to, how to be that kind of test taker using the methodology on the one hand. But on the other hand, we're teaching them how to be their own coaches, how to be their own trainers. We, we don't want them to have to keep paying us to train them. We yeah. want to get them up and going so that they can do this autonomously. It's not even just for this test. This is for the rest of their careers. But they, we've got to teach them how to play both roles. And it's very doable, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a type of effort. It's a, it's a very, it's a cognitively and emotionally demanding process because test-taking is emotional. Okay. Uh, it's, it's very easy to judge yourself and be very frustrated, especially when it gets into the behavior. Because yeah. these students get upset in, in, in a manageable way that they're not automatically changing the behavior. But behavior change takes time, and that's what we're teaching them within those those first two meetings. Then they go off and they do more homework. Our homework is just up doing more practice questions and then doing the analysis and what we're trying to help them do is catch those test taking mistakes as they happen organically in, in, you know, using their own question bank because those have to happen, and the clients have to find those mistakes and then we with in, in our meetings are helping them. You have to we want them to be able to track step by step the steps they took to miss the question and then be able to map out the steps they should have taken to not miss it. This only applies to the misses that were test taking in origin. Yeah. You know, if you if you miss a question because it's knowledge, then fine. That's that's not the problem for most of these students. You're going to miss questions that are knowledge based. What we want to do is help them find the questions that were test taking. So if you miss seven questions, but three of them were test taking we're really helping them dive into those three test taking misses yep. and really understand what happened. And it's not about the content. Oh, this, this is about, you know, trisomy 18. This is about this, you know, some other thing that's irrelevant. Well, it's about the process underneath the surface because a bad test taker is probably doing the same two or three things over and over again, but the bad test taker can't see the pattern. So we're teaching them how to see that pattern and that's where
1: this process opens up for them. So all right, um let's let's see if we can go through this. I'll be the, the guinea pig here. Mm-hmm. Um all right, so let's say I'm a student and um I I tell you, "Hey, I noticed a, a mistake I made. Um here's a an example question from the Open Osmosis uh Q bank. Um okay. a 65-year-old postmenopausal Start team. with the
0: start with start with the last sentence.
1: Start with the last sentence. Okay. So, we're going to be dealing with the question which of the following is the most effective treatment for this condition? There's our interrogatory. All right. All right. All right. So, then how else? Then do I go on to the vignette? Is that what you yep. suggest? Yep. Okay.
0: Up, up to the passage.
1: All right. So, now I'm going to go back and read this vignette. We have a 65 year old postmenopausal female who presents with terrible vulvar itching, which has been ongoing for the past several months. She's tried an over-the-counter antifungal agent without relief. Physical examination reveals white plaques on her labia minora and majora. A punch biopsy of the lesion is performed and atypia is not present. And then, again, which of the following is the most effective treatment for this condition? So, what happens from there? How should I be thinking about this? Well, you want to,
0: obviously, with this question, you need to be able to come up. Do you, are you able to come up with a diagnosis?
1: I mean, I am, but I'm an OBGYN. So <laughs> should, well, should, so it, so this, this woman has lichen sclerosis. This is a, a condition that causes a, a change to the architecture of the external genitalia, increases the risk for squamous cell carcinoma, can make it very difficult to have intimate relations as it were due to Um, tightening of the the vaginal introitus, and it can be painful, itchy, etc. It's often clinically something that is mistaken by patients themselves for a yeast infection. So they try uh, over-the-counter antifungals, um, but sometimes can even fool uh, a physician who treats them if there aren't a lot of physical signs evidencing the disease. Um, And they can be, uh, uh, treatment can be the appropriate treatment can be delayed. Um, well, the,
0: pro- the, so the, the from a test-taking perspective, one of the things that I talk about and that we really believe in, I don't want people to, to feel like they have to have a prediction uh, going into the answer options, like predict the answer before going in. Uh, you don't have to know everything about the question going in because some, and, and if you're if you're able to be fluid with it and relaxed with it, that's fine. But some of our clients freak out if they're like, I can't, I don't know everything. I don't have a diagnosis. So one of the things we talk about is being able to sort of pivot out of that passage and and and, and prompt coming into the answer options. Um, but with this one, it does seem like you at least need to hazard a guess, right? You You have to at least hazard a guess on what you think might be going on with this individual.
1: Yes. And you're saying definitely do that before looking at the answer choices? Yes. OK, I've I, been think looking, I, I think looking. I think looking. I think every. Well,
0: do you like looking at all the answer options?
1: No, actually, I think um, so. The way boards uh, uh, items are constructed is um, in a quick and dirty sense. They have to satisfy the cover the answers test. You have to be able to come up with the correct answer. Um, based on just the vignette and the interrogatory. That's Mm -hmm. what the National Board of Medical Examiners and the National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners uh, inculcate in those um, people that they commission to write test items, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So if it doesn't cover the, if the the question does not satisfy the cover the answers test, then it's not a good question, all right? Um, But this one does. So what should the following?
0: But 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 here's what we'll say to that. Yeah. What? But when when the struggling test taker, what we don't want is that is for that student to feel like they have to be able to predict because that is a burden on them. Okay. And if they're like, oh, I can't predict, and then they 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 panic, they they shut down, or they set up this sort of self fulfilling prophecy of oh, I can't predict it,
1: therefore. I'm, I'm doomed to miss this question. I'm just going to get some move on, even though there may be some way for them to approach the material to at least increase their chance of getting the correct answer. Absolutely. And, and
0: if you take, and, and what I want, and I, I worry about, again, this is not true for everybody, but for the, for the struggling test taker, the bad test taker, I worry about scanning over the answer options too. Um, and they're, they're going to see them because they're being broadcast on a screen, like into their, like, blasting into their optic nerve, but you just have to learn how to like just chill out on it and be like, okay, I see you down there. Wait your turn because this idea of prediction or let me, let me just, you know, run recon over the answer options. And then they see something that they're more familiar with. Yeah. And then that shapes the way that they twist the clues to make the square peg fit in the round hole. Or they see the thing they like or that they predicted and they say, Oh, that must be it because I predicted it without even weighing and vetting the other options. Okay. And again, this, this is where process gets sloppy and messy. And if they're practicing like that, then they're certainly going to do it under pressure on test day. So we want to really instill a, a, a very meticulous check down process where they're taking each option individually and making a decision about it. So almost imagining each option like a small stone. And you're taking that stone and putting it on like one of those old school scales. And you've got to put it on the scale and let it let balance out for a second or two before you make a judgment. You can't put two stones on the scale at the same time. Um, you can't uh, put them all on there or just selectively not put some on there, which is, I think, what bad test takers do. I don't know when the bad, I don't care when the bad test taker is on good behavior. I care when the bad test takers in bad behavior. And I think a bad test taker is probably engaging in bad behaviors more often than the, than the, than the good test taker. Uh, it's, a, it's a weak link system. So we, we don't know when, they're, when it's going to happen. Yeah. They don't know when it's going to happen. It's like wearing your seatbelt. You have to wear the seatbelt all the time because you don't know when you're going to be in a crash. Likewise, we want our bad test takers to install a system where they're always doing the same thing every single time yes.
1: to help offset these negative behaviors. But anyway, I digress. So carry on. Yeah, okay. So just to reset up, which of the following is the most effective treatment for this condition? 65-year-old postmenopausal female with vulvar itching that failed topical antifungals, and she's got white plaques on the labia minora. So this is lichen sclerosis. Here are the answer choices. Most effective treatment for this condition is A, fluconazole, B, topical steroids, C, estrogen cream, or D, chemotherapy. And the correct answer here is a topical corticosteroid. What if I had picked fluconazole? I'm thinking, oh, vulvar itching, that goes with a yeast infection, and that's what I'm thinking about, in which case fluconazole would be the treatment for a yeast infection. I I think this is a pretty common experience where maybe people read through the vignette really quick and they don't see the physical examination component. They get so fixated on maybe one symptom in the vignette, Mm -hmm. like the vulvar itching, and in their mind, because it's actually more common, they're associating, okay, this is yeast, this is yeast, I see fluconazole. I mark fluconazole. I move on, but then I got it wrong because I I really did not um, meet the question on its own terms. I didn't fully engage um, the material that was there and process it.
0: Right. So, so, so let's say somebody misses this and they read the explanation. You have to make a decision. Could I have gotten this right? That or you know that seems like a
1: very critical question.
0: It is. It is, and it's a and it's an hours long. <laughs> Dis- discussion to teach students how to work through that. Um, it's, and it, it, what if I it, say, it, oh man,
1: yeah, Ryan, I totally could have got that wrong. Here's what I did. I, I just, honestly, I didn't read the whole physical examination. I didn't see this one element. I did not read the part that said white plaques on her labia minora. Right. So what
0: I don't want to say to somebody is, okay, you know what you need to do, Patrick, read it more carefully. Okay. That's, that's terrible advice. Okay. So it's like when I was like when I was a kid growing up in West Virginia, learning how to play soccer. Yeah. I wanted to learn how to shoot the ball with power and accuracy. Yeah. Uh, I get to high school. We have this, we have this gifted goal scorer. Okay. I go up to this guy, I'm a freshman. He's a senior. And I get up the nerve to ask him how to shoot the ball the way he does. Yeah. Now I don't know if he's going to like laugh at me, ridicule me, hang me on the fence, by my underwear. I don't know what's going to happen, but he puts his hand on my shoulder. He's like, he's like, Ryan, I'm so glad you asked. I was like, Oh man, this is amazing. And i see, I didn't even know the right question to ask. Right. And I yeah. certainly wasn't asking like, like, like where's my plant foot go? And where's, where's the power from? What am I doing with my foot? Am I locking my ankle? I didn't, I didn't have the vocabulary. And he says, you know what you need to do? I was like, what? And he was being 100% sincere when he said to me, you need to
1: blast it. Totally unironically. Oh
0: no, yeah. Yeah. It was such genuine, like, 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 like concern. I was like, Oh, he's like, yes yes, blast! I was like, thanks. I'm going to go kick this ball against this wall. Try to figure this out. He's like, I changed that young man's life. I mean, it's useless advice. So we've got to be really careful when we say something to somebody like, again, somebody who misses a question like this, read it carefully. How is that going to necessarily unlock that reading uh, pattern in the future? Because you can't just say, I need to read more carefully. So there are a variety of strategies that we could use to offset this issue. And what would be even better is if we found Two or three examples where, okay, you, you, you made a reading mistake here. So there's three levels of reading a question. And when you, so you missed this question. Okay. Did it happen up top in the passage and the question, in other words, did you lose a clue? Did you miss something? Yes. You messed up up in the, you messed up at the first gate because you didn't bring all the clues with you or you did, you might've brought them, but they got lost along the way because your, your working memory squeezed them out. Um, so sometimes you mess up up there. Okay, good. Then we, that's where the problem is. Some people, they might mess up at the second gate. The second gate would be as you're thinking about each option by itself, the weighing and the consideration for each answer option. Well, if you, you might mess up there. Maybe you brought the clues with you, but you didn't really, it's where your thinking and logic sort of came into play with ABC. And then the third gate could be, let's say you read it properly, you, you, you think about each option fairly, and then you go to a tie break. You're tied between two. And that's where you mess up. So many students will say, oh, I always narrow down to two and I, and I you know, picked the wrong one. Well, that's missing up at that third level. So again, all of these things are, we deal with all of this. We teach the vocabulary. We teach the structural awareness. We teach the rules in the, in the board's workshop. Um, so there are a lot of ways we can fix this. So the problem here is you end up, your, your working memory probably got overloaded in this question if you missed it this way. Um, a quick aside, a big part of my theory about why some people are bad test takers has to do with working memory, other, sometimes called short-term memory. Yeah. Um, the way, usually the higher the IQ, the higher the short-term working memory. So I think the way medical testing has evolved over the last several decades is these questions put an undue burden on working memory, short-term memory. Yeah. And if your working memory is less robust than the average med student, eight, nine, 10, maybe 11 working memory slots – to hold on to pieces of information, then you're going to be, a, your, your, your test taking is going to suffer because you are dropping clues throughout the process of reading questions. So you might only be rolling with five or six or seven working memory slots. Seven might be the average for the population, but not for
1: med students. Yes. And that's going to make wrong answers appear to be right. So in that, do you help students identify how to work with what they've got, or can you yep. actually improve the working no, memory? I don't believe in that. It'd be great if
0: you could. Um, okay. No, I, we teach them to work with what they have. So okay. it's all this process that we're teaching, one of the many things it does, it's, it's all about limiting burden on working memory. So it's like if you have an old computer that's always locking up, um, you know, you, we've got to unburden certain, certain, certain processes so it doesn't freeze on you. So you're not losing things. And that's absolutely at the heart of the system. So anyway, back to the question. So maybe what we could say is, okay, maybe let's just hypothetically say you get down to A and C. Um, And this could happen in root as well. So maybe we play a game of four against. A lot of bad test takers are always trying to rule options in, and they're not trying to rule options out, for example. Um, Ruling out is a much more powerful tool. Um, Wrong answers are going to be partially true. But a little bit wrong is the equivalent of a little bit dead. Once it's a little bit dead, it's out. We can just strike it and not think about it ever again. But if you're only playing a little bit, like a, a looking for things that are a little bit true, you're going to be leaving these free radicals bouncing around, mm. and they're and and we're, and we're going to like lock onto them. So flu flu, what is this Fluconazole? is that the so, Fluconazole. It's a, a yeast infection type
1: medication. The right, so, antifungal.
0: So, so let's say let's do this. Let's it's like debate class where you have to. Pick you know a topic, and you have to make an argument for it or again and against it, regardless of your preference. Yeah. So, what would be an argument for fluconazole using the clues in the passage? So now you can bounce back into the passage really quickly, like a heat-seeking missile, and say, "Let me see one or two things that fit fluconazole." Yeah. So, just really quickly, what's one or two things that fit with fluconazole?
1: I think honestly, it is only the vulvar itching. It's that okay. that chief right. You complaint. locked onto you locked onto this
0: one sort of sparkly clue. yeah, And and that that's what leads you down the wrong path. Okay. Now play against it. So now your job is, okay, well, that's how I would rule it in. Now, is there a way I could go up there and say, wow, what, what would rule this out? What makes this a less desirable, not most effective treatment for the condition?
1: Um, I, I guess, I, I think if I put myself into the mind of a first year medical student, um, or second year, right, or, or second year medical student, it, I'd be like, physical examination reveals white plaques on her labia minora majora. I think most students are going to recognize that as not necessarily how a physical exam for yeast infection would be described, but not necessarily all of them. And maybe you haven't reviewed lichen sclerosis in a while, or well, you don't is, remember is, what it is. Right. Well, this, this is why This piece so might unique. not fit. I feel, right. I feel uneasy about or unconfident about what this is describing. Right. It's not, it doesn't seem like the most classic
0: presentation.
1: Right. I'd be expecting a white, chunky discharge, um, Mm -hmm. that's often described, um, like cottage cheese, um, frankly. Um, and I don't know, it says white plaques. Are they saying that that's what that is? You know, and
0: And that's where we get into twisting. That's where we take a clue. And we make the square peg fit the round hole by hitting it hard. And this is where a lot of our students will say, well, what? And usually when you twist, you're using a phrase like what if or but maybe. And you say, oh, white plaques. Well, what if that really means cottage cheese discharge? And then what happens is you lose white plaques what if and you've overwritten this black and white clue on the on the question with this thing that doesn't even exist on the on the page. And now you're you're running with this clue that doesn't that's not even there and then that make this these are the things that are happening between the lines yes these are the things that are happening almost like like, like so subliminally and so quickly that it's really hard to wrap you know to, to hold on to but it's amazing it, it can be a very
1: insidious thing that's happening all the time Yes. and again so I, with I us, see this hypothetical. Like, yeah i see this like I, I love that you said you know this black and white clue i i have said so often that everyone in medicine who practices this art knows it is not black and white because once you introduce <laughs> this patient in their particular circumstance with all the things that go into making us up as human beings, our relationships, our sure. socioeconomic status, uh, our bad habits, our good habits, um, our uh, the past things we've gone through, um, as far as diseases we may have, uh, you know, fought on our own, mm-hmm. like it all goes into it. You cannot capture the whole of a clinical kind of uncertainty of the real world practice of medicine into a vignette. The boards couldn't test you on that. It's, they no, have no. to test you. They have to create a black and white world um, that makes medicine into almost like a mathematically precise science. When it's a- not. Abso-
0: absolutely. And, and what you're doing right there is you're turning a plus sign into a minus sign whenever yeah. you turn uh, the white plaques into anything other than white plaques. Yeah. And and this is what people are doing all the time and they're not aware of it. Now, the, again, the good test takers probably they self modify, they self regulate. And by doing volumes of questions, they subconsciously subconsciously smooth out these edges. But the ones who are inconsistent or are consistently being, you know, missing questions they shouldn't miss. This is this is one of those,
1: those dozen patterns that we've identified it's and almost it's like in psychology they they talk about cognitive distortions mm-hmm. um in in my mind there's like you know test taking cognitive distortions that people just it it's it's where their mode of thinking where their logic proceeds from automatically and i guess what you're saying is uh, and in it sounds like your program is set up this way the first step is to give a name to each of these problems to help you have to diagnose. Give, you have to
0: give it a name you and imagine it's,
1: it's what we're doing in medicine before absolutely. most of the time not always because it's not black and white um you you need a diagnosis before you can you know meet out a treatment um, and you need names
0: and you need names of all the symptoms yes like you can't just call every lesion on the skin a lesion
1: Right. You can't just call
0: all these vaginal infections. Oh, it's just a vaginal infection. Right. They all have to. There's this very specific hierarchy. And again, it's less scientific than the medicine, of course, but it's way more specific and way more thought out than I than anything else I've seen. Then read it carefully, the then kick yeah. the ball harder. Blast it. Blast it. Right, right.
1: Right. So, I I mean, this is, I think, for our audience who's listening to this podcast, uh, Exactly why they listen to the Inside the Boards podcast to to help uh, give a name to those struggles and and also to find a pathway to overcome them. Um, well, it's got to
0: be it's, it's got to be all about practice, and it's, it, it can't. I think what happens now. Now, keep in mind, the majority of our clients come to us because they are not at the top of the of the uh, the curve at test performance. Now, they might be knowledge wise. Who knows? but there's there's there they come to us because they have issues with showing what they know yeah um and and this is the kind of thing where we we you know we talk about where's the breakdown and then giving that we've got to give them the the skills to name the thing and then understand that thing so but look at it like this so we we talked about fluconazole but topical corticosteroids what would make so now you have got to make the argument for and against it
1: so what would be the argument for topical corticosteroids here? I mean, in my mind, it's because lichen sclerosis is an inflammatory disorder that kind of, I think about it as almost like an autoimmune condition that attacks the architecture and structures of the female uh, external reproductive organs. You need a way to decrease that inflammation. How do you decrease inflammation? You can do it with steroids. So, and this is, this is the trick here. It's
0: really hard to play this game with an artificial construct. You you can, you you have to almost do it the way you would miss. It's hard for you to put your, yourself in the shoes of a, a, you know, a step one student.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I think it would be helpful then Um, probably what we should do. And I think we're, we're discussing this is why don't we plan to have you back on and go through something like this with uh, a student that you've taken through the program. I think that would probably be great. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, I, I think people need to check out the statprogram.com. They can contact you uh, at ryan at the com. If you do that, please tell them you heard about the program on Inside the Boards. We will have Ryan back on and go through some more ways of diagnosing what ails the bad test taker and get more practical advice. Sounds good. I appreciate it. And actually, I already interviewed Ryan and Maureen, one of his former students, on a previous episode of the ITB podcast. This present one was just recorded prior to recording the episode that is a two-part series called What Makes a Bad Test Taker? How to Fix It. So you can check that out in a previous episode on the Inside the Boards podcast. Don't forget, you can get more Practical Study Advice from Ryan and StatMed Learning over on the Inside the Boards Study Smarter Series podcast, which you can find a link to in the show notes or search your favorite podcatcher for Inside the Boards Study Smarter Series. During that series where we focus on high-yield USMLE Step 1 topics, we are featuring Ryan's StatMed Lesson, where we discuss items such as how to deal with common, specific test-taking issues like when you always narrow down the answers to two and seem to pick the wrong one each time, or specific mistakes that people often make when approaching a vignette. Thanks for listening, and please tell your friends about the ITB podcast, or just share this episode on your favorite social media platform, You can tag us on Facebook. We are at Inside the Boards. We are also at Inside the Boards on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter, at Boards Insider. That's all for today. Thanks to Raul Reynolds and Enter Shikari for letting us use the track Anesthetist off the 2015 album The Mind Sweep. We'll see you back next week for some more High Yield Learning.